pause to consider. The podcast where you put your busy day on pause to consider spiritual encouragement and wisdom on your walk towards God's kingdom. I'm so glad you could join me today. I'm Sam Taylor, here to get you thinking about the Word of God. What do you call a carbonated beverage? Chances are that whatever you call it is based on the region you were born in or you currently live in. But do you remember the first time you heard someone call it differently than what you knew it as? For me, it was my first trip to Canada in 2002. I was 14 years old. I always called it soda because I was born and raised in New York State. When my dad took me and my sisters to Canada for the first time, occasionally I'd hear my friends or others around me call it something peculiar. They called it pop. I was bewildered that people called it anything else other than soda. And it was that moment where I felt like an outsider in Ontario because I didn't follow this region's norm in one facet. Ironically, though, I eventually moved to a place where now I call it pop every day, but I digress. What I encountered in that trip to Canada was my first direct encounter with a shibboleth. Now, a shibboleth is a cultural password of sorts that identifies people as belonging to a certain region or subculture. It isn't only used to exclude others, yet in practice, a shibboleth highlights differences far more than similarities. So what is the origin, then, of a shibboleth? It comes from the Bible, specifically in Judges 12, verses 1 to 6. The chapter before serves as context where Jephthah the judge led the men of Gideon to conquer the Ammonites, but the people of Ephraim refused to help. When they saw that they wouldn't receive any of the land the Gileadites obtained, the Ephraimites came into conflict with Jephthah and his men. And verses 5 to 6 of Judges 12 tells us how the Shibboleth came to be. And the Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan against the Ephraimites, and when any of the fugitives of Ephraim said, Let me go over, the men of Gilead said to him, Are you an Ephraimite? When he said no, they said to him, Then say, Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they seized him and slaughtered him at the fords of the Jordan. At that time, 42,000 of the Ephraimites fell. The ability to pronounce a word was enough to tell not only a person's regions in this case, but also their likely intentions towards their fellow brethren. And that sh sound made a world of difference between the meaning of two words. See, shibboleth in Hebrew, it can mean either an ear of corn or a rushing river, both signs of fertility and freedom. Sibboleth, on the other hand, it would sound more like the Hebrew word sibola, which translates to burden, as shown in Exodus 1, verse 11, where it reads, Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. And as you can imagine, there's a significant difference between hearing a message of fertility and freedom and hearing of burdens. And this should raise significant, important questions for us to reflect on. The first question for us to think on is, do we as Christadelphians have shibboleths? And what purpose do they serve? 
Well, the answer to this is unquestionably yes. Instead of calling our places of worship churches or synagogues or assemblies, we call them ecclesias, not only to better represent our gathering together more accurately with an anglicization of the Greek, but also to use it as a distinct cultural marker to identify like-minded brothers and sisters. There's a very rare chance that you've heard someone use the word ecclesia and it not be a Christadelphian. You know, this shibboleth it distinguishes us from others, and it could potentially exclude anyone interested, because already they'll feel like they don't belong because of the use of a word that they are not familiar with, that they'll already feel out of place from hearing. Now, I'm not advocating for a complete rehaul of our community's traditions, yet the question must be addressed. If our calling from our master is to preach to all nations the things concerning the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, how can we, as individuals and a community, counteract the inherent exclusiveness of our culture with a spirit of invitation and desire to include? I don't have the answer, but maybe you have an idea. Let me know. The second question I'd like to bring up is, if our community already has a shibboleth, is it possible that there are shibboleths within our culture? This is also likely to be a yes because it's just natural for people to break up into groups of friends and cliques. We're divided by outside interests, age, appearance, social status within our community, and even, you know, divisions of belief and conduct, sadly. But we do have a shibboleth God would ask us to uphold. None of those are it, though. In Romans 15, verses 1 to 7, Paul tells us how we should behave in God's family. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For us, the shibboleth is something that's not meant to please ourselves or give our flesh reason to boast. It's far greater than that, which leads to the last and most important question. What is the shibboleth of a servant of God? In other words, what is the behavior that we should observe to identify members of God's family? And what's the behavior that we should emulate to identify ourselves to others as members of God's family? In concluding his argument on circumcision in Galatians, Paul exhorts us in Galatians 5, verse 1, as well as 5 to 6, by writing, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. 
Now note that contrast again between freedom, the rushing water from previously, and the yoke of slavery, the burden, each representing the correct and incorrect pronunciation of shibboleth. Faith working through love is what should be our cultural marker. Knowledge is crucial, but a recitation of facts will not show Jesus that we are his disciples and will not show others that we are the Lord's disciples. We must be obedient to his Father's commands and ensure that they are not only stored in our minds, but acted upon where we see the need. Now, while this cultural marker does separate us from others who do not follow God's commandments, it's one that, if carried out daily, will serve as the invitation to include others into God's household instead of making them feel shunned. So let's then consider the words of John 13, verses 34 to 35, to wrap up our thoughts. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I'm glad you could be here today. If you enjoyed this devotion, share it with your friends and with your Ecclesia. Make sure you subscribe to Pause to Consider on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to get updates when new devotions are published. For discussion and feedback, you can follow and interact with the Instagram and Facebook pages. If you have any comments or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. You can email those to me at pause to consider podcast at gmail.com. For other online Christadelphian ministry, you can check out Good Christadelphian Talks, Essential Bible Studies, Magnify Him Together, New Every Morning, Discerning Daughters, as well as Christadelphianmusic.com. But above everything, I pray this devotion was helpful for you today and will continue to help you on your walk. And I pray that God blesses you until we meet again, whether on next week's devotion or in God's kingdom. God bless.